We are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Words from Words Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. What would it be like to go viral on social media? Many lawyers and law firms are turning to social media instead of more traditional advertising avenues. Cracking the code to social media success is elusive for many, but not for our guests today. With over 267,000 followers, we're about to hear the story of one of the most followed attorneys on Instagram and the powerful strategies that propelled his firm's meteoric rise, unlocking new possibilities and expanding his reach far beyond his wildest dreams. Welcome to the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast, where we bring you insights and inspiration to help law firm owners unlock their true financial potential. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, financial planner for law firm owners. Today, I have the distinguished privilege of speaking with an extraordinary guest who harnessed the power of social media to turn adversity into opportunity. Ryan Steigar is the founder of Centurion Trial Attorneys in San Diego, a firm that quickly gained recognition and a strong following on social media. Ryan's journey is a testament to resilience, adaptability, and seizing opportunities, even when they aren't part of the original plan. Ryan, welcome to this show. Darren, thanks so much for having me. You're too kind with that introduction. I appreciate you. <laughs> I do my best. And I have to admit, I am a bit starstruck. I've been following you on Instagram. I see a lot of the great stuff you do. I love your content and uh, all the great things you're doing. But before we dive into that, why don't you tell us and our listeners a little bit about your firm and some of the things that you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So for those who don't know me, I'm attorney Ryan, and I'm probably best known on social media as the labor lawyer. And a lot of the content we put out is about your rights at work or maybe interesting cases in employment law. We'll cover some celebrity cases, almost like a legal news show. Uh, but we also offer practical tips. You know, how do you talk to HR? How do you deal with high conflict situations at work? What, what can you do if your pay is messed up? Even things that may not have a legal avenue, like requesting a raise, will give people tips on how to negotiate and prove their value. And I think that's been part of the success of the channels. We're not just on Instagram. We also do TikTok and YouTube. And I think people appreciate that in addition to telling people about their rights, we're also trying to give them tips on how to just have a better life and make more money at work. And the response from the community has been fantastic. Yeah, these are topics that everyone is thinking about dealing with so relevant so timely it's good stuff but i want to go back in time for a minute and let's go back to the very beginning what was the plan did you want to be an attorney when you were a kid what originally inspired absolutely you? not darren no it didn't <laughs> okay. cross my mind as a kid uh no so my my path was pretty unusual when i was a kid i wanted to be a firefighter that, that's all i ever wanted i even remember one of the first birthdays i remember um was a firefighter themed birthday that my mom threw for me 
and one of the gifts I got was a little toy fire truck, and we still have that toy fire truck. It has seen better days. It is beat up, but we still have that truck. Uh, anyway, that's all I ever wanted, and that's what I ended up doing. That was my first career. I was a firefighter in Southern California. I worked for Cal Fire. I was in the San Diego County Fire Authority. I was a volunteer. I was a reservist. I was a seasonal firefighter, and I was a full-time firefighter. And I did that for a little over four years, and I, I really had no intention of being an attorney. I thought I was going to be a fire chief one day. That's all I ever wanted. But around the fourth year, um, quite frankly, there was a voice in my head, and I realized I wasn't happy anymore. And for the longest time, I didn't want to admit to myself that I was unhappy being a firefighter because it was such a competitive career to get into. I had to work so hard to get there, and the idea that, wow... I might need to change course now. It was scary. So I ignored that voice for a while. But around the fourth year, I finally decided, you know, this isn't what I want to do for the next 20, 30 years. I want something else. And I had done some work with our union, the Cal Fire Union. And I didn't know this at the time, but that work planted a seed. Basically, I was helping one of our chiefs draft some documents for our memorandum of understanding for the collective bargaining unit. And I didn't realize it then, but at the time, it planted the seed that a good lawyer who understands labor law can directly impact people's quality of life. And it wasn't until I went to law school that that seed kind of sprouted. And and now we're here. I'm an employment lawyer. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So that you, you got a taste of that and that sort of planted the idea for you. And now, you know, you own this law firm that's growing substantially and as we talked before, and and by the way, I just want to go back. I, I am familiar with that story. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but my background was in education. And same kind of thing. I wasn't I came to the realization that I wasn't happy, and it was a difficult realization to come to. Uh, but, you know, life has a way of of turning into, you know, different interesting avenues and and uh, and things happen for a reason. So that's incredible to hear. But now today you own this great firm, Centurion Trial Attorneys, and you started this during a pandemic. Did you always see yeah. yourself as a law firm owner? Tell us about the journey to starting your firm. I had no intention of starting a law firm, to be honest. So when I decided to be a lawyer, remember that seed? I didn't realize that it had been planted. I, I thought I wanted to be a you know trial lawyer, and I thought the best way to do that was to be a district attorney. I wanted to be a, a criminal law attorney, a prosecutor. And that's the path that I chased. And I chased it hard. And, you know, when law school was ending and the pandemic was still at its peak, I had this job offer to go work for the district attorneys, but they kept delaying the start date because of the pandemic. And it got to a point where it was like, you know, I, I can't just hold on to this job offer without real income. I got to do something here. And just by chance, I'm not a strong believer in fate, but I almost think the universe did this to me on purpose. I had a client kind of fall in my lap. It was an employment case. It was someone I knew who trusted me. And I realized at that moment, I remember, you know, my heart rate elevated when I got the call, my hands got sweaty because I realized I had an opportunity. I could take this person and hand them off to someone else and they would be grateful, but that would be the end of it. Or I could run with it myself. And one client eventually became two, two became three. Couple videos went viral, and and suddenly we're here. You know, I got started in employment, and I stuck with it. I I, I didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy the practice area, because it wasn't really on my radar to start. 
And then I started doing it and I realized, wow, like employment law is awesome because it, it's situations people deal with every day. Most of us need to work for a living. And when things go wrong at work, it's not just your pride and your feelings that are getting hurt. It's your livelihood at stake. The stakes are quite high for, for employment law. And the clients we get, uh, they're hardworking, grateful people. It's an honor to serve them. So it, it's been fun. It's been fun. Now, starting a law firm in a pandemic without a lot of experience and without much money, don't necessarily recommend it. It was rough, but here we are and I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Yeah. Well, I just love that because it just is a great example of everything kind of working together for a reason, even when I'm sure at the time it didn't really seem that way. You know, it, did you envision yourself being here? <laughs> no, I, I'm going to be honest with you. And I hope that if there's someone listening to this podcast, maybe it's someone who's thinking of starting a firm or maybe they're they're not trying to start a firm. They're just trying to break into a new practice area or apply to a really prestigious firm. They're not sure they're qualified. I got to be honest, every step I took for the first year and a half of my firm, every step, it felt like I was making a mistake. Every step. I, I told my um, my friend the other day, it felt like I was walking on a frozen lake and every step i wasn't sure if the ice was gonna give uh and that's just the name of the game man there's no there's plenty of people who will sell you a handbook how to start your firm but n none of the handbooks really help there's no written map there's no guide you just go out there you do the best you can for your clients you find a practice area you like and you try your best yeah and you know one of the things my dad has said it's coming to mind now is that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And you certainly had a combination of those two things. Preparation no, not and discount luck. The the <laughs> role of luck is substantial. And I'm 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 never gonna be the kind of guy who sits here and says, Oh yeah, you know, I've got it figured out and I'm a genius and I'm talented and that's why this worked out. It could, that couldn't be farther from the truth. The, I sincerely believe the reason things have worked out so well is because of the very high volume of shots that I take. I take a lot of shots, Darren, and I miss 95% of the time. I, I should keep a log one day to show people, anyone who looks at me and says, wow, Ryan's got it figured out. I can't believe how lucky he is. He just wins all the time. I need to show you my loss record. I deal with rejection constantly. Even with the relative notoriety I've gotten, I still get rejected constantly. Um, it, in terms of the social media game, if you're just starting out, the worst thing you can do is try to be perfect and try to knock it out of the park right away. High volume is the game. If you're like, I want to be the next attorney, Ryan, I'm telling you, you don't hire a marketing firm, save your money. Don't give anyone your money. Just point your phone at your face and make five videos a day. I know it sounds like a lot, but these are short videos. You can make five a day in two minutes or less. Tell people who you are, tell them what you do, tell them why it matters and do that over and over and over again. And that high volume you do two, 300 videos very quickly, one of them is going to catch some attention and then you can ride that momentum. So what's the role of luck? Um, it, really, it's just been a high volume of attempts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. More attempts, hard, you know, keep at it, keep trying, keep seeing what what experimenting and, and watch your data yeah you know yeah. at first you're just trying to see what catches some traction and that's the purpose of the high volume just spray and pray and you're going to notice a couple <laughs> of hits some things are going to blip pay attention to that pay attention to the videos that hit 
and then try to recreate it a bit. And your first couple attempts to recreate, you're going to think that it was a fluke. But, you know, again, high volume, you're going to notice what's specifically about those videos your audience liked because they'll tell you. Absolutely. That's going to be a quote meme for this episode. Spray and pray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So how did this get started? Did you just like, were you always on Instagram or did you just say one day, hey, I'm going to try this Instagram thing I'm on TikTok or whatever? Okay. I, okay. I've been on Instagram since uh, 2012, I think. Uh, I never had more than maybe three or 400 followers, just people I knew from high school and college, you know, pretty, I was just a regular guy. Uh, TikTok is where things blew up. So if you imagine a funnel, you know, for your law firm and you're trying to get leads into your funnel, each social media, this is a mistake so many lawyers make. Each social media platform serves a different purpose. You can't treat them all the same. Okay. TikTok is the very top of the funnel because of the way the TikTok algorithm works. It's just showing you videos from random creators you may never be have seen and you may not have been looking for. There's there's not really a, a strong explore page on TikTok. They have one, but most people just use the for you page and swipe. TikTok's your opportunity to get in front of people who aren't even looking for you, but who might need you. And if you show up in front of them enough times, they eventually might follow you. They might not follow you the first video or two. But eventually they're going to say, wow, wait a minute, you know, look at this Darren guy. He's giving great advice. I like him. He, he's concise, good content. I think I'll give him a follow. Uh, TikTok gets you out in front of people. Instagram is the next step down in your funnel. These are people who are not only interested in the videos, but maybe they want to get to know your firm a little better. TikTok or Instagram is a little more intimate than TikTok is. They get to know you a little better. And then your diehards, your disciples, the people who will refer you even if they haven't actually used you, the people who absolutely love your stuff, they'll follow you on YouTube. So there's this funnel effect and you're building a community of people who see you as an expert and trust the advice you have to give. Wow. That's, that, there's the handbook right there. TikTok at the top, Instagram, YouTube. So you really figured this out. Did, was this just all kind of self-learning or there books you read or resources no this was great question this was this was spray and pray but mark your data that that's what mm -hmm. i tell people i say just super high volume very high volume and we just paid attention to what was working and we've tracked our data over time and so what we've done is look i don't have a lot figured out there's so much i have to learn about running a law firm and even as a practicing lawyer it's the practice of law i have so much to learn but one thing we've got figured out is the social media we've got it pretty much down to a science we know where people are coming from we know where they go in the social media game with us we know where our leads come from but there's not really a shortcut yeah a lot of marketers are going to hate this. You can go pay a big fancy marketing agency $50,000 a month or whatever the hell they're charging these days, and they'll tell you all the fancy things they're going to do for you. But the honest truth is everyone's journey is going to be a little bit different. And without just doing really high volume in the beginning, you're not going to know what your what your listeners and followers are looking for. Wow. And so with this high volume, obviously you learn some lessons along the way. Can you give us some like high level ideas about, you know, tips for what works, what doesn't work? You know, you've been at this a while. I'm sure there's like some some broad brushstroke uh, lessons you've learned. Being personable works. Being authentic works. Uh, I so uh, here are some examples that are really really successful. I'm doing uh, pretty well on my social media. Uh, lawyer Paige, Paige Sparks, good friend of mine, love her to death. Uh, she is doing better than me. She's ultra personal. 
she gives advice like I do, but she also does these little videos every week where she just says, oh, here's me riding my horse. Here's me having, you know, a drink after work. Here's me going to a park with my friend. And she invites followers to be part of her world. So what's happened is she's so much more than an expert. She's almost like the legal bestie to a lot of people. Uh, I think she's a really good example of someone who's nailing that. So at the high level, how do you beat your competition? Stop trying to be the professional lawyer. Stop with the arms crossed post and, you know, we fight for you and get results and we've been in business 30 years. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. What they want to know is what you can do for them right now. And they want to trust you. But if you're being really stuffy and put together in your videos, they're not going to trust you. They want authenticity. Wow. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to go there, you know, with, with being authentic and mm -hmm. and you know the unfortunate part is that's not a simple formula to just you know check off the boxes as you said there's no shortcuts this is really has to come from the heart it, it it's got to be sincere so if you're a bit a firm and you've got a couple of people you you might want to try someone who's the least camera shy because it's funny you know you'll have the most charismatic interesting successful competent attorney in the world you put a camera on them and it's <laughs> it's like their brain fell out of their head they can't talk anymore you know and, and and that's fine that doesn't have to be your superpower okay but you got to find someone to be the face of your firm you know someone who in front of the camera they can speak freely they don't get too hung up on trying to be perfect and they're willing to make some mistakes and, and you got to be willing to embarrass yourself a little bit you got to be willing to be a little silly and you got to be willing to be a little controversial mm -hmm. take a take a walk down my comments sometimes uh not everyone likes me in in fact a great number of people very aggressively hate me but that's okay because you know if you want followers you're going to have to get some haters too that's the price of this there is no way to generate a lot of momentum on social media without getting haters and you got to be comfortable with that that's that's the price of admission yeah it is well let's talk a little bit about the growth of a law firm and some of the things you've learned along the way, you had the interesting experience of having to scale quickly. Uh, as you shared with me, business started pouring in. And scaling a law firm can be challenging. Can you tell us a little bit about the steps you took to successfully scale your, your law firm and to handle the increased workload? Yeah, well, uh, I will put the disclaimer that I would not consider this a fait accompli by any means. We are still every day figuring out how to scale, how to improve our systems, and, and how to grow this thing. Um, a year and a half ago, maybe a year and eight months ago, it was still just me and an assistant. And now we've got a headcount of eight. So it's, you know, we're, we're growing slowly, but steadily. I'm, I'm very, very selective in who I hire. I could probably grow faster if I wanted to, but protecting our culture and protecting the high standards we have for the service our clients get is paramount. So I'm actually intentionally slowing our growth, but to go back to the beginning and to answer your original question, the social media just exploded and we were getting 80 to a hundred leads a day and we still get about that number. It's, it's been just chaos trying to control that influx of people. So one of the first things we did is we started building an intake department. We have three people in that department now. We have an intake manager and two intake specialists below her that handle the workload. And I'm not paid. This isn't sponsored, but I use Lead Docket 
in Lead Doc, it was a game changer for us because instead of manually handling each and every questionnaire, each and every call, we can, with a few clicks of a button, get control of all these leads and we can monitor our referral network and we can pick the choice leads to send to our team uh, for further work. So investing heavily in the intake department was one of the smartest things we did. I made some mistakes. I hired some third-party call centers for 24-hour phone service. We might do that again in the future, but we'll do it in-house. I would rather only be available during business hours than risk a bad customer service experience. And that was an expensive lesson I learned early on. Uh, I would, and look, some people are going to hear this and this is blasphemy. No, you got to be available 24 seven. They'll just call someone else. Okay. Well, I get a hundred leads a day. They can go ahead and call someone else. That's fine. I would rather lose the opportunity than risk a bad first impression. It's that important to me. Well, and you're kind of in a unique position where I think if clients or prospective clients are calling you, they really want to get a hold of you specifically. Yeah, that's something that the social media game will do. And this is why I tell lawyers, stop up with the traditional marketing. Stop telling everyone how much money you recovered and how you've got the super lawyer award that you paid for uh, and how you're the best. Tell, Give them tips. Give them advice. Be their friend. Invite them into your firm. Introduce them to the office. Show them your dog. Because what's going to happen is over time, they're going to see you in their minds as their first choice anyway. And then you don't even have to fight with your competitors. I fear no billboard. These Many of the people who follow me have followed me for months, if not years. And they never thought they'd need me. I was just their friendly lawyer giving them some free advice. And then when they needed me, they just they didn't even think of anyone else. We, we don't have to really compete with anyone. The people who come to us have already made up their minds that they want us. Yeah. That, what an interesting place to be in. Um, and, and that's great, a great marketing strategy, not just to get your name out there, but to really develop that connection with your audience. Uh, by the way, I think that's another slogan to put on a t-shirt. I fear no billboard. <laughs> I love that. We're getting a few of them today. We really are. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about finances and the money side of things. I'm curious, uh, were there any really specific like financial challenges to starting and scaling a practice? And how did you manage that? What are your, what's your advice on managing the business side of a law firm or what lessons have you learned there? Yeah, it, it was very tough in the beginning because I came out of law school with nothing. Nothing. No, no family, no, no real savings, nothing. Uh, so I started off uh, just kind of scraping by. And what I was doing at first is I was doing some contract work for some other firms to get me some money. I took on a defense case to give me some billables. And then I had a couple of uh, contingency cases that I was sort of waiting to have pay out. And it was it was really rough. That first eight, nine months especially was probably the hardest I've ever worked for the least amount of money. It was it was crazy. I had to keep things very, very lean. I had to really watch my expenses and just keep things tight. And then once we got our first influx of cash, you know, the the hourly billable contract stuff, that just sort of kept the lights on and kept me limping along. And then when the contingency stuff paid off, then we had to say, okay, we just got a big basket of cash. What do we do with this? And the first idea was, well, free Ryan up to do more legal work. So the first thing that we outsourced was that intake stuff. That was the first thing that got outsourced. Uh, after that, the next step was a paralegal. 
you know, just help me with some of the routine things that don't require a lot of creativity, but someone with some training does need to pay attention to. Uh, so what we did is we looked at what are the things I'm putting the most time into that don't necessarily yield money right away. And that's where we made the calculation that it's worth hiring someone to take care of those things. Uh, other things in, in, firm, in, in the firm, case management, uh, we kept things cheap. We use Practice Panther. It's Is it the best system? I'll, I'll be first to say it's not, but it was, it was pretty low cost uh, and it gets the job done. Um, and also leaning on mentors too, because the funny thing about the employment law game is you will have these big contingency cash infusions that come to you and you're not sure what to do with them. I, I talk to attorneys who've done it before and ask them what you need to do next. I, I have a network of at least two who I talk to regularly who are very successful and I'll, I'll say, hey, uh, yeah, I've got, you know, an extra 50K here. I don't really have a line item or a budget for it. You know, here's my systems now. How can I help us make more money with this money? That That's typically what we do. Yeah, that's a challenge I hear from a lot of law firm owners, managing those fluctuations in income. You know, you have things that come in suddenly and then you have some dry months and, and managing that cash flow cycle is, is definitely a, a tricky aspect for a lot of folks. Surviving the dry months is hard. So one thing I recommend a lot of law firms do, especially if you're really heavy plaintiff side like I am and you do a lot of contingency work, one benefit to really asserting yourself as an industry expert and growing on social media is we actually do make income from our marketing. Our marketing is not a expenditure. It's actually a profit center for us. So we do make money every month from our social media activity and from the content we put out. Also, we have people who are who will come to us not because they have a case, but because they want some career advice or they've got a weird situation at work. They're not sure how to handle it. And we can charge a fee for that. We can say, yeah, it's, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks and this is what we're going to talk about with you. And that actually becomes a good revenue center, too. You're not you're, you're not really knocking out of the park with that. But, you know, you have some staff that pay for themselves with those appointments. Yeah, that's a great innovation. Mm -hmm. Thinking about what your audience is looking for and coming up with a product uh, that's going to speak to their needs. Well, Ryan, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, you know, one thing I encourage law firms to look at is we have we all have our core business that works very well. Uh, being a plaintiff side employment or personal injury attorney. Yes, there are fluctuations in your revenue. You should. I call it a hard deck. I have a hard deck at the firm and we don't go under that hard deck. I make sure we keep that cash in the firm, okay? Um, but you need to look at other ways to not only get yourself out there, but profit from it. You need to establish yourself in, I call them uh, collateral fields. And what we've done, we're an employment firm, but we don't just get on the internet and scream about wrongful termination all day. We talk about other issues affecting people at work. Mm -hmm. That way, we're not just stuck in this narrow channel where the only way we can make money is by bringing on a client and settling their case. There's other ways we can make money. Great stuff. Yeah. And great thoughts, great advice for, for other law firm owners who are dealing with similar challenges and issues. Uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but it's been great talking with you, Ryan. I have one last question for you. I know this is a long way off, but I'm curious, what does the dream retirement look like for you? Dream retirement for me. 
You know, honestly, I it, it's funny, and I wonder if other law firms have this issue. I, I'm so buried in the work and building this machine that I don't really think about that too much. But if I have to sit here today and tell you what I want my retirement to look like, uh, I would... I would like to continue being a mentor to my staff. I would like to continue being a safe space for young attorneys to come to and get advice. And I would hope that by the time I'm retired, I've tried enough things and made enough mistakes that I can be a good uh, a good source of information. I think of some of the older attorneys who've guided me along the way and how grateful I am for them. And I think the best thing we can hope for in retirement is that we're financially secure and we have plenty of time for family and we have some time to give back to the legal community and kind of follow in those footsteps. Because I'll tell you what, you know, being a mentor is one of the most rewarding things you can see. I have an associate who in many ways has surpassed me in skill. And I, and she, I was one of her first jobs she's had. And it's really cool to see the way she's developing. Uh, I, I think as I sit here today, that's what retirement might look like. Great stuff. Good stuff. Well, Brian, uh, lastly, will you please share with our audience uh, how they can find you if they're not already following you and uh, learn more about you? And also, you've got uh, some books and a podcast. Tell us briefly about those. Yeah, I'll run you through it. So I'm at Attorney Ryan on Instagram. I am at Attorney Ryan on Threads and TikTok. I am at Ryan Steiger, R-Y-A-N-S-T-Y-G-A-R on YouTube. I am the host of the Working Class with Attorney Ryan podcast. That's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just type Working Class with Attorney Ryan. You'll find it. Uh, and then, yeah, I have books available on Amazon, Understanding Trial Objections is our bestseller. That'll help you, uh, you know, not just for objections at trial or even in a deposition we found, but it helps you just with your understanding of evidence. Very helpful book. Uh, we've got some fiction in there. The Dividend Hunter is a good finance book. And then I can't talk too much about it, but I am working with a large publisher uh, for a book about your rights at work. That should come out in a year, year and a half, I hope. Good stuff. Well, we'll get all of that in the show notes. And uh, thanks again for, for joining us today. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Millionaire podcast. I hope you found Ryan's journey as inspiring as I did. His experience serves as a reminder that with the right mindset, strategies, and execution, even the most challenging circumstances can be transformed into opportunities for growth and success. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting our podcast. If you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues or anyone who could benefit from Ryan's insights. And while you're at it, why not leave us a five-star review? To learn more about The Lawyer Millionaire, please visit thelawyermillionaire.com. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website or social media. We're here to serve you and help you unlock your true financial potential as a law firm owner. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.